Welcome everyone to the Site Beyond Site podcast, where we look beyond the surface, diving deeper into life's issues. I am your host, Mike, AKA Emperor. And as always, thank you for choosing to spend the next 30 minutes of your life with me. I know that you could be doing other things or listening to someone else, but you chose to tune in to Site Beyond Site. And for that, I'm very, very thankful. With that being said, let's get right down to business. So the other day I was sitting in my office, I was maxing and relaxing in my chair, my nice plush office chair. I was leaning back a little bit, I was on the recline. I had my feet up, of course. I always put my feet up, but I'm noticing that people have a problem with that. You know, and I don't don't understand where that's coming from. People automatically think that you're not working or maybe you're being lazy or people don't like to see you taking a break. I don't know what it is, but I don't really get a break. Not all the time. I have to make my own break. So when I do get a some time to think and some time to unwind, I like to put my feet up. Now, I put my feet up for multiple reasons. One, it's comfortable. It takes the stress off my back. And two, it is a way for me to get out of my own head and, and think beyond the surface of what I'm dealing with. Uh, usually when I'm reclined with my feet up, I'm thinking about some major things and I'm trying to have a moment of clarity. Maybe there was something I had missed. Maybe there's something that has been pressing that I need to take some time to think about. I don't know what it is, but I know I need to have a clear head and and I have to be relaxed. So if you see me in my office with my feet up, just know that I'm really thinking of how to save the world. You know what I mean? There's no uh, time clock to punch when you're a superhero, okay? So you have to find your own breaks when you can. When duty calls, you got to get up and you got to handle your business. That's just the life of a superhero. It's just what we do. So don't get mad when we put our feet up. Just say, hey, you know what? Even the best need a break sometime, you know? Even the best superhero needs a break sometime. (laughs) We're all superheroes in our own right, though, and we have to handle things accordingly. So as I was sitting there, I was thinking, and I this is an issue that I've talked about for the longest time with a lot of my colleagues, a lot of my friends, a lot of my family, and it's something that has been pressing. And so I was thinking, I was thinking about this. I said, hey, first thought that came into my mind, what am I going to do for retirement? Well, what would I do when I retire? And I came up with two different things. Either I'm going to be a lounge singer or I'm going to be one of those Walmart roamers, not a greeter. I just want to roam Walmart. And I'll get into that in a a second. A lounge singer. I want to be a lounge singer. That sounds kind of fun. It sounds like it'd be exciting. I just go to a little ran down shack of a bar where the floor is still kind of dirty and sticky from 1978. Hasn't been really cleaned except for twice in those five decades, whatever it may be. And uh, the, the cloth on the tables are a little shoddy, a little dingy, but that's just wear and tear, you know. Maybe the washer and dryer is a little old and it's not working so well. So it's kind of uncomfortable. You question if you should eat there. But you know what? You know you're going to have a great time because yours truly is going to be performing there for about an hour. So I get to still interact with people, 
sing a few songs, tell a few jokes, make people feel good. They go home. They're not thinking about the nasty steak that they might have ate or the chance that they took eating the mashed potatoes. They're not thinking about that because they're leaving full of joy. And I like that idea. No, I cannot sing. I don't sing with the best of them, but I like to sing. So let me rephrase that again. Let me say that again. I cannot sing very well, but I like to do it. So I just want to share it with people, you know, be an entertainer. So I think that would be a great job for me. But if for some reason that didn't work out, I would like to work at Walmart roaming the aisles. And I know you're questioning, well, why would you want to do that? Well, it brings me to the issue at hand. I would like to do that because there are so many people, well, not let me say people, there are so many parents in the store that need some assistance with their kids that are acting unruly. And I want to be that guy to help them. You know, how often do we walk into the store and we see the six-year-old, the seven, the eight-year-old, the three-year-old whining and complaining about not being able to get a specific cereal, not being able to get the Fruit Loops, but they're getting the cornflakes instead, not being able to get this toy that they wanted that costs $80, complaining that the shoes that they're getting aren't Nike. How many, how many times do we see this? All too often. Now, a lot of people in society look at those parents and think, the first thing they think is, oh, those parents aren't good parents. They need to get control of their kids. But I think, man, these parents have had a long day. Nobody wants to go to the store. And I know no parent before they go to the store says, you know what? I hope my son or my daughter acts terrible and embarrassing to me. I hope they just tear up the aisles and hold everybody hostage with their yelling and screaming. I don't know any parent that does that. So after a hard day of work, or maybe the parent is there like in positions I've been in before. I think we've all been in it where you're trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents and stretch $20 and make it stretch for a week or two. We've all had to do that. Most of us have. That's frustrating because you really have to think, what do I really need to get? It doesn't help that you have a kid yelling and screaming, right? So I want to intervene and say, hey, you know what? You go continue your shopping. I'm going to handle little Billy right now. And I'm going to tell Billy that he's being disrespectful. I'm going to tell Billy that he should be more thankful. I'm going to ask Billy how he's contributing to this situation. Is his contribution negative or positive? Now, if he tells the truth, he's going to say it's negative because he's not helping the situation by yelling and screaming. I want to be that guy. You just gather up. I gather up all the kids and you send them to me while you handle your business and then you'll get your kids back and hopefully they'll be back with a better attitude. That's what I want to do. So you're asking, how did this relate? How does this relate to the question at hand? Well, the question at hand is this, it's twofold. In all my years of working in social work, I've seen the family dynamics change a little bit. I've seen how 
parents are now either equal to their, their children or their children are above them. That worries me. And then I think about this, have we become a society where it's taboo to discipline your children or hold them accountable? Is that where we come to? And unfortunately, I have to say, yeah, yes. Let me tell you something that was disturbing. One time I was I was working with this case and there was this kid. He was 16 years old. His parents were older. They had him, you know, there was a big age gap. They had him when they were way older. They were in their 50s. Dad is at retirement age, but he can't really retire right now because he has to work and provide for his family. His wife was sick. Um, and so he had he needed the income, the extra income to help provide for his family. Meanwhile, the 16-year-old is running loose, raising hell, doing whatever he wants to do, uh, stealing his mom's prescription and selling them to his friends. He's a big shot. He's been in trouble for uh, having possession of these narcotics on him. So he's in and he's been in and out of trouble, but he really hasn't gotten into big trouble. So long story short, that just kind of sets up the whole thing. So there is a time where we were having a session. He was getting confronted on his behavior. The kid was now he was getting confronted on his behavior. He gets mad. He yells at his parents. You need to leave my house. This is what he says now in front of me. He tells his dad. And his mom. You guys need to leave my house. And so I sit there in silence, like thinking, how, what's going to happen right now? Because I know what, how I would react right now, but I'm going to see what truly is going to happen. I'm going to see the di dynamics of this family. And I wish I could tell you otherwise, but then this is what happened. The father of the house grabs the keys he goes to grab his wife. He says, we're leaving. Now, I had a decision to make. <laughs> I'm sitting there and I had a decision to make. And I made the decision to say, uh, no, you put those keys down and he can stay in his room. This is your house. He doesn't have, he doesn't get to tell you when you can go and when you can stay. He doesn't have a job. He's not contributing to anything. He's not contributing in a, in a positive manner to the household. So he doesn't have the right or have that position in the household to tell you when to leave. The dad says to me, well, it's easier. I said, no, buddy. No, you're making it worse. I was like, you need to stay. This is your house. So meanwhile, the kid comes out, tries to get in the dad's face like he's going to try to fight him and beat him up. That's why I had to tell him, no, man, you need to know your place. You need to know your place. So I say all of that to say this. This is the world that we are living in now where the kids seem to have more of the power. The ties have changed. Now, those of you listening right now, I want you to think about this. Do you want a 14-year-old being in charge of making life-changing decisions for you? Let that sink in. Is that what you want? Do you want a 14-year-old teenager making these decisions for you? I know my answer. My answer is no. I'm not trying to have that because I know how loosey-goosey they are. 
I know they're not mature enough in their line of thinking. I know that most of them struggle to think past the next five minutes. So if that's the case, that's not a person I want in charge. That's not a person I want making these decisions or where our household is going to be at or what's going to happen within our household. As a parent, we have to take back our homes. As adults, we have to take back our neighborhoods. And I think about this is part of the reason why we stink with dealing with behaviors because we don't deal with them. We just let it slide. We just let it, um, we just try to ignore it and hope that it goes away. And that's not going to work. And when I say take back our homes and take back the neighborhoods, we have to sit there and we have to stand our ground and say, hey, we're not going to accept this type of behavior. If this does happen, if you continue to act like this, then these are the consequences. And I'm going to hold true to my word and I'm going to keep my word. I know most of us grew up, we grew up in neighborhoods where our neighbors had just as much power to discipline us as our parents. So there was no way I was going to go up the street to my neighbor's house, act a fool, and then just ignore it and say, well, that's not my kid and not hold me accountable. There was no way that was going to happen. But now that seems to happen all the time. That's why the neighborhoods have changed. The neighborhoods have changed so much. When Think about this. The neighborhoods have changed, and this is just my opinion. This is what I've seen. Back in the day, in the neighborhood, you had an Aunt, a Aunt Jessie watching over everybody. You had an Uncle Willie watching over everybody. You had the older kids that were considered family members, even though they weren't but they were watching over the younger kids as well. And you knew that if something happened, it was going to get back to someone, some adult, and everybody was going to find out and you were going to have to be held accountable, not just by your parents, but by everyone in the neighborhood. See, back then you didn't want to disappoint your whole neighborhood. It wasn't just about you. You didn't want to disappoint your neighbors. You didn't want to disappoint your friends, your aunts, your uncles. You didn't want to disappoint anybody. Because it was established with that hierarchy, with the adults running the show. But now you run in these neighborhoods, who do you see? You see nothing but kids running the show. Kids running free all types of night, doing whatever they want to do not thinking about their next move, not thinking about who or how their actions are going to impact others. This is what we see. We see the kids running the show now. Kids are reporting back to kids now. They're not reporting to the adults. And that's the problem. So how do we begin to solve this problem? Well, I'm glad that you asked. I really am. You know, when dealing with behavior, what I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to give you the five 
things that are needed to build a strong foundation with dealing with behavior. These are five things that are necessary. And then I'm going to give you, so these are five tools to help you build a strong foundation for change, for behavior change. And then after that, I'm going to give you five expansion tools to help promote a lasting change. See, it's one thing to make a change, but if it's not going to last, it's really doing you no good. So these tools are necessary. Think about it like this. You have to have a tool belt when you're dealing with people, and when you, when, especially when you're dealing with behavior. Everybody's different. Everybody is different. So you have to handle things differently. Now, there's three types of tool belts out there. There's a tool belt with no tools. You just have the belt, no tools. You're just uh, <clears throat> out there. That's the, that's the type of mentality that's do what I said because I said so. Do what I say because I said so mentality. You know, you don't have any tools. You're just saying, spouting out stuff and just hoping that people listen. You don't really have a tool at all in your tool belt. Then there are there people that just have one tool, tried and true, the hammer. The hammer is good for a lot of things. It truly is an awesome, awesome tool. Very versatile. You can use it for a lot, a lot of things. But once again, we're dealing with people. So you need multiple tools. And that's the tool belt that we want. That's the tool belt that I'm going to help you build. You need the tool belt with multiple tools so you can fine tune things when you need to. So you can make those adjustments. So maybe you used one tool, maybe you used a hammer, but that's not working. Maybe that's too, too harsh of a tool. Maybe you need a little rubber mallet. So with that being said, we're going to start with the number one. And these are in an order for a reason. Before you address any behavior, you have to have your boundaries set. This is not an option. You have to have your boundaries established before going into battle. Once again, that's not an option. Because think about it like this. This is not something that you want to spend time figuring out during the process because during the process, you're in battle and you have to know what you're going to stand for and what you're not going to tolerate. You're going to have to know when someone crosses the line because you're going to be pushed. You're going to, be, you're going to face some adversity. So when you're in the heat of the moment and someone's intentionally trying to push you away, if you don't have that boundary set, you're just going to waver. You're going to waver or you're going to just make all these idle threats. Well, if you don't do this, then if you don't do this, then so-and-so is going to do something about this. If you don't do this, then I'm going to tell your mom and they're going to do something about it. If you don't do this, I'm going to tell the program director and they're going to be they're going to be so mad and they're going to do something about this. It's never you. So does that person before you really respect what you have to say? No. If you do not establish your boundaries, everything you say becomes an idle threat. 
But if you know where your boundaries lie, if you know that, hey, if someone says this about me, calls me this name, I'm probably going to lose it. So I have to be prepared for that. I have to know when it's time for me to tap out and get someone else in here. I have to know when it's time for me to say, you know what? Enough is enough. You will not disrespect me in that tone or in that manner. You will not say that ever again. That is where I draw the line. We have to know that. If we do not, behavior change becomes nearly impossible. So before we begin anything, we have to know our boundaries. The next thing, you have to be fearless. You cannot walk in fear. Because if you walk in fear, you will eventually compromise yourself and others. You'll find yourself making decisions that places other people and yourself in jeopardy. Well, I told them that they can leave and go out past their curfew because I didn't want him to be mad at me. But now you find this youngin that you let out past the curfew in trouble, either with the law, either with some other people. Maybe his life is on the line because you were afraid that they were going to be mad. Now, what would you rather have on your hands? A young teen that's mad at you because you, you care for them, for them enough to not let them hang out at all types of night? Or do you want that hanging over your head that you let them out out of fear and now they're in some deep trouble? We cannot walk in fear. Fear impacts everyone, not just you. It impacts everyone. We have to be fearless. So first, we have to establish our boundaries. Second, we have to be fearless. Third, we have to be consistent in what we say and what we do and how we approach things. If you're out there doing the right thing, do not waver. No matter what people say, people are going to go against you and say, man, you're, you're playing a fool's game. Things aren't ever going to change. Nobody's listening to you. Nobody wants to do that. That's too hard to do the right thing. You know, that this world is so bad right now that nobody wants to hear that. We just want to do our thing and have fun. But I say to all of you out there, do not waver. Do not waver. But this is why boundaries are so important. They help you establish a consistent foundation. So a prime example, think about this. Think about this. The friend that you may have that never drank, that never smoked, that never did drugs, you go to parties with them and they didn't do any of that stuff, even though everybody else around them may have been doing those things. And at first it starts out, people are making fun of that friend. People are making jokes and trying to tempt that friend and the friend holds strong saying, no, I'm just here to hang out with you guys and socialize, but I don't do all that other stuff. Matter of fact, I didn't even know we were coming here, but I got in the car with my friends. We're here now, but I'm holding fast to what I value and what I, who I am as a person. And I'm not going to change on that. 
So you can make fun of me as uh, as long as you want to, but I'm not changing. So the more parties that this friend goes to, people start to understand. Someone might try to hand this friend a drink, and then now other people are saying, you know what? Don't even waste your time. Don't even do that. That's disrespectful. This friend doesn't drink. This friend don't do that stuff. Leave him alone. Because people start to understand, and they started to see. They saw you were consistent, and you didn't waver. Now they know your boundaries and they respect your boundaries, even though that wasn't their intention in the beginning. This is why it's so important to be consistent. So then when you have the consistency, we have to keep an open mind when we're dealing with behavior change. We have to be able to think beyond ourselves. We cannot be so rigid in our thinking. We cannot think there's just one way to change someone. We're working with people, not robots. Remember that. People change. Everybody needs something a little different. Everyone responds differently to certain interventions. So we have to understand that one thing that you did for so-and-so that had this similar uh, behavior may not work for that other person doesn't mean that you're a failure. It just means that you have to keep an open mind and understand that this may be part of the deal. But if we understand that, it leads right into our next and final final, uh, quality for behavior change, which is uh, creativity. We have to be willing and ready to intervene in an unorthodox manner. This is part of being Like, well, this is part of paying attention to detail. And in order to be creative, you have to keep an open mind, but you also have to listen. You have to listen. Just that's part of sitting back, closing our mouths and letting them speak, but not just letting them speak so we just hear it, but we're listening and we're taking in that information and we're connecting the dots. And so I'm telling you, The more people speak and the more you listen, the more you will connect the dots, the less work you will have to do. If you listen closely, they'll tell you what you need. So to recap, in order to build a strong foundation for behavior change, you need these qualities. You need to have boundaries. Boundaries are important because They help you establish who you are and what you're going to tolerate. Fearless. You cannot walk in fear. If you walk in fear, you're going to compromise not just yourself. You're going to compromise other people. You have to be consistent. Consistency. Being the same. Not wavering on who you are. Doing what is right. And it goes hand in hand with setting those boundaries. Next, we have to have an open mind. We cannot be rigid in our thinking or narrow-minded in our thinking. We have to, to think beyond ourselves. And then lastly, we have to be creative. Now, these are the foundations that will help you with behavior change. If you don't have these intact, and if you don't have a solid foundation, it becomes increasingly difficult to be a catalyst for change. So I encourage you guys to take a look in the mirror and and take a look at 
Be self-reflective and think about what am I lacking in right now? What could I get better at right now? Well, I might have these three qualities, but I need to work on these other two. I need to focus on this to get better so I can have a a well-rounded and a strong foundation. Because then it's just like building a house. It's just like building a house. Simple analogy, but this is what it is. You have a weak foundation. What's going to happen? Things are going to crumble. It's going to crumble from the top down to the bottom. We don't want to crumble when things get rough, when things get a little windy, when a a slight earthquake comes. We don't want to crumble even when a big hurricane comes through. We don't want to crumble. But what we do want is a strong foundation that we can withstand all of that so we can fight through it and weather the storm and provide a safe healing place for others to heal. And that's all we're trying to do. So we're setting the foundation. We're setting the foundation for change. So guys, I don't really have a freshwater moment for this one. But I'll tell you this. I want you all to go out there and and be freshwater warriors. That's what we are. We're going out into salty environments, delivering fresh water that heals. That's who we are. I don't care where you're at. You always have an opportunity to heal. So I encourage all of you guys to keep doing what you're doing. Your sacrifice is necessary. Maybe we, maybe you're not getting the awards or the acknowledgement that you may feel that you need, but just know that people are watching and people do care. People do see what's going on and people appreciate it. No, they may not say it, but just know that the sacrifices that you're making, people see it and they feel it. So do not get discouraged in fighting this battle. Keep doing what you're doing. We rejuvenate on the weekends and we recover on the weekends. So we can come back on Monday and fight again and spread all that fresh water that heals in all of our environments. So I want to thank you guys for spending this time with me and giving me a platform to just talk about life. That's all. That's all we're doing is talking about life. I love every one of you. Remember, always remember, we're in the business of healing and not hurting. And remember, guys, we are all freshwater warriors. Continue to fight the good fight until we meet again, my friends.